Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Mark Hartsman back with us. Mark's passion for the unusual started with Ripley's Believe It or Not, as a lot of us did, in the annual Guinness World Record books during his youth. In addition to his own books about ghosts, Mars, Oliver Cromwell's embalmed head, weird things on eBay and the sideshow performers and unorthodox messages from God, Mark has written for Mental Floss, The Huffington Post, AOL Weird News, AllThat'sInteresting.com, The Morbid Anatomy Online Journal, and Bizarre Magazine. He has discussed oddities on CNN, MSNBC. He's been on our program, Ripley's Radio, and the Travel Channel's Mysteries at the Museum. You're all over the place, Mark. Welcome back. Thanks, George. It's good to be back. How you doing? Everything good? Yeah, doing well. Keeping busy. Great. How are you? And Chasing Ghosts just came out today, didn't it? Yes, today was the launch day. Very exciting. How about that for timing? Perfect. We'll, yes. we'll get into this and some of the other things. So let's go back to the moment you were a youth. I was like you, Ripley's Believe It or Not, that I would see in the newspaper and in the, the uh, comic sections would just always capture my attention. Guinness World Records, I loved all of that. It, ca- it captured you too, didn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I used to love watching the show when, when back when Jack Palance was the host. And just seeing you know, this video of just amazing, remarkable people. And with the Guinness Book, I mean, I, I really loved the Guinness Books. They were those little short, black and white, thick books back then. And I just loved that first section, like the first, usually like the first 20 pages, I think it was called The Human Body, was chapter one. And that's where you just had all these anomalies. And my favorite of the anomalies was The World's Tallest Man, which was Robert Wadlow. That's right, out of Alton, that. Illinois. Yes, exactly. He was just, I mean, every year they'd have different images, like a different photo and different stats, you know. So I get, you know, pre-internet, so you get a little bit of extra information. And I just couldn't believe how huge this man was. I mean, just towering above everyone else. I mean, when he was like five, he was bigger than his dad. And when he died, didn't they bury him in a piano? Yeah, he had a, a massive coffin case, yeah. And the crazy thing is when he died, he was only 22 years old. Oh, my and gosh. And he was still growing. So it, it, it's, it's one thing I find just, I mean, it's upsetting because he, the man would have been nine feet tall. I mean, it's upsetting because he was 22. But as someone who's just fascinated by uh, the numbers around it, I mean, to reach nine feet tall would have just been extraordinary. And he was taken down by a blister on his toe. Oh, my gosh. Things. And oh. he got infected under a leg brace. And by the time he was treated, he had a 106-degree fever, and, and that ended his life. So once you got into all these stories as a youth, you never forgot them, did you? No. <laughs> these things really stayed with me. I also watched The Elephant Man, probably the too, too young of an age, the David Lynch film, and that really stayed with me. That was a classic. Oh, yeah. I mean, just what an amazing story Joseph Merrick is. So, yeah, these things stayed with me, and then um, I just pursued you know, writing about uh, different unusual people. Um, and, and started meeting different people within the sideshow world, and that really got me going. Did you ever think you would do this as a career? Um, I, I always wanted to be just, you know, a full-time writer. I mean, I, my day job is in advertising, so I do yeah. write for advertising, but in terms of just writing books and about things I'm more passionate about, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the goal. This, I mean, um, but this I, is I, your I'm notoriety. Sure. This is what you're known for, these yeah, things. Yeah, I'm thrilled that I'm still still doing it and uh, enjoying it. 
I'm going to knock out a few of the titles of your books, just so folks will get an idea of what you've done. Found on eBay, 101 Genuinely Bizarre Items from the World's Online Yard Sale. American Sideshow, an encyclopedia of history's most wondrous and curiously strange performers. The Embalmed Head of Oliver Cromwell, a memoir. The Big Book of Mars, from Ancient Egypt to the Martian, a deep dive into our obsession with the Red Planet, and the one that just came out today, Chasing Ghosts, which we're going to get into too. But all of these works that you've done are all incredibly interesting and bizarre, aren't they? Yeah, that's my that's my theme. <laughs> Trying to find that's the consistent thread. Different, different, and bizarre, and you know, in all different kinds of ways. And we've got a couple websites for you: Weird Historian and uh, MarkHartsmanBooks.com as well. Yes, linked up at CoastToCoastAM.com. Well, let's spend a little time here talking about chasing ghosts, and maybe if we have some time tonight, we'll talk about some of your other works. And we'll take calls next hour from our group of uh, incredible folks who are very interested in what you do. Tell me about the title, Chasing Ghosts. Yeah, well, the, the subtitle to it is A Tour of Our Fascination with Spirits and the Supernatural. So the thought of chasing ghosts is just about how we've, you know, since humanity's been around, we've been looking and wondering about what there is, you know, the afterlife. Is there an afterlife? Does consciousness survive? Um, can we communicate with the dead if the dead do survive? Can we use technology to capture ghosts? So Chasing Ghosts kind of captured the different ways that we have either thought about death, tried to communicate, or, or capture evidence of an afterlife. Would you call the ghost world, the spirit world, supernatural or natural? You know, that's a good question. I feel like the term supernatural is a pretty broad term. You know, it can be kind of defined in different ways. I guess I would call it supernatural, Um Maybe only because you know there is there's no there's no particular proof or evidence. Um, you know people believe different things, and there's certainly evidence that can point one way or the other. Uh, it's definitely a subjective thing. Uh, one thing I like about the book is I I present different cases and, and different ways that you could maybe explain things away, or certain cases that are really difficult to explain, and leave it up to the reader to kind of take the evidence presented on both sides and decide what they want to believe. Mark, I don't think I've seen a poll where people have been polled about their belief about the supernatural, the spirit world, whether they think it exists or not. But if if you polled 100 people, what do you think the percent would be, those who believe in an afterlife? Well, I did actually cite a poll in the book um, from 2019 from a site called YouGov, and it says about 45% of people believe in ghosts. That's all? I would have thought it would have been higher. I, I thought that was a pretty good person. I mean, it's almost half of people believe in it. Now, if you polled this audience, it would be 85%. <laughs> yes, it would skew higher. <laughs> yeah, much, much higher indeed. Indeed. In your opinion, what are ghosts? So I, that's, that's also a good question. And, you know, going into this book, and I talked about this in my introduction, I would have said I've never seen a ghost. And then as I talk to different parapsychologists and paranormal investigators, you start to kind of rethink certain experiences and redefine what a ghost is. I think a lot of people think that a ghost is something that you will see in front of you, some sort of apparition, uh, you know, like you'd see it in a movie. I mean, we're all kind of, you know, our imaginations are sort of, to some degree, 
created by what we've seen in, in pop culture, whether it's representations in, in movies and you know, television and books, whatever it might be. So you think of it as a thing that you see in front of you. Um, but it could also just be something that's in your mind's eye or, or received through different uh, senses. For example, you might have, say, five people in a particular place where a spirit might be coming through and trying to con- make contact mm-hmm. with people. And everyone might receive that spirit in a different way. Someone might see something through their mind's eye, a representation of that person. Someone might smell something. It could be a completely olfactory sensation. Um, someone might hear something. Someone might feel nothing at all and think that the rest of the people are just completely nuts. So it can be different experiences. I think what it is is some kind of connection from the dead to the living uh, in one way or the other. Interesting take. What do you think of mediums? We know what Harry Houdini thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I definitely get into some of the Houdini stories. And w- one thing that I'll say about Houdini is, yes, he was very much into exposing the frauds, but he was open to the idea of this being possible. Right. He just hadn't found anyone he believed was legitimate. Well, he was obsessed with finding the spirit of his mother, wasn't he? Yes, yes. And, of course, when you know, he famously had a, uh, a friendship that was kind of strained with, with Arthur Conan Doyle, when, uh, when Conan Doyle's wife, Lady Doyle, uh, who was a medium, said to have um, made con- a connection with Houdini's mother and wrote like 15 pages of messaging from his mother at a seance, and Houdini said, that's not my mom. You know, she, first of all, she didn't speak English. You know, the whole thing was in English. She's like, there's no way. And, and Doyle wasn't too, uh, too fond of that reaction. But um, I think that, you know, I have a lot of stories about different mediums in the book, and for the most part, there, are, there were ways that people would explain what they were doing. Um, but there are some cases where you, it still really makes you wonder, like, okay, well, how is that possible? So the question remains, I mean, are some of these mediums genuine? And it seems like there very well could be some who have legitimate powers. Sure. Some of the things just seem too hard to explain. I mean, yes, there are ways that things could be done, but in some cases... It's just a little bit, it's hard to imagine how something like that could have been faked. Were most mediums in the earlier days women or men? Most, I mean, there were definitely men, but there was a majority of women. And it's an interesting question. You know, why, why was that the case? And, you know, going back to the origins of at least the modern spiritualism movement, which kicked off in 1848 with uh, the Fox uh, sisters in Hydesville, New York, and these were two young girls, roughly 11 and 13, uh, Maggie and Kate Fox. And they just created this whole sensation. And their older sister, Leah, who lived nearby in Rochester, heard what these girls were doing. And, and they were basically hearing these knockings and rappings and saying they were communicating with the spirit of a man who'd been murdered in their basement or buried in their basement. His name was Mr. Splitfoot. And in the whole, they were literally like overnight sensations. The whole neighborhood was like, walking to their house to, you know, hear these communications with the dead. So Leia, uh, about 20 years older, she caught wind of this. She'd been divorced, and being divorced as a, a woman at that time was not a good position to be in in society. So she thought, wow, this is, this is like a new job opportunity, you know. We're, we're suddenly uh, kind of running a movement here. <laughs> we're like, we're communicators with the dead. That's a job that didn't really exist before. And, and she, she really ran with that, and they, you know, they began touring across Rochester and made a lot of money, went down to New York City, went across America and overseas to Europe, performed before royalty, 
So all of a sudden you have this new new opening that women can can uh, take part in and really have a powerful position in as, as people who are communicating with the dead. And if that's what the dead are saying, you listen to these what these women are saying. And what's amazing is how good they were at this. Whether what's if they were genuine, then that's one thing. But if they weren't genuine, it's almost just as impressive that they could do these incredible manifestations. You know, table levitation, furniture moving, things appearing from nowhere, voices being heard. Um, all of these things they were somehow learning on their own. They weren't like magicians who would have an apprenticeship and, and could learn from each other. They were figuring these things out and fooling a lot of scientific men, which is, I think, just the fascinating part of this whole history. In nowadays, we've got like James Van Prague, John Edward, a lot of men are mediums and good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think now it's maybe a, a bit more balanced, but I think in terms of some of these earlier mediums, you know, Victorian era, it did seem to kind of skew more female. Were there any mediums that stand out from the past that you would say were amazing? Yeah, there there were a few. I mean, I I think someone like uh, like Leonora Piper, who again this was around the turn of the century, mm-hmm. and she would go into these trances, just kind of you know put her head down uh, and and start um, delivering messages, you know that she's hearing from somewhere. And she Whoopi she, Goldberg. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like that, yeah. But she would say that, um, she wouldn't exactly say that she was a spiritualist or that they were coming, the voices were coming from the dead. She just said, I just hear these things, and I'm not, I'm not saying where they're coming from, because she didn't know. But she would give some, some fairly accurate information, oftentimes. You know, it might be, uh, in certain cases, news about a relative who was several states away. And keep in mind, several states away at that time was, that was a huge gap. You know, you sure. get messages until it could be a week till you could hear from someone through you know, the mail or whatever. So, um, so she would give messages maybe about someone who passed away or had fallen ill, and the person who was getting that message at the seance would have no idea about this and would find out a week or two or whatever later that that was in fact true. So that makes you wonder, okay, well, how was she getting this information? I mean, how would she have dug these things up on her own or in advance? Um, it's pretty remarkable. On the other hand, she had some kind of, you know, weird, wacky things that she said also, but who knows? <laughs> I mean, if they're spirits, maybe they're, maybe some of them are a bit mischievous. But uh, but I thought she was an interesting case. Well, with Mark Hartsman, his uh, new book is called Chasing Ghosts, which is available right now, isn't it? Right now, yeah, wherever you buy books, online or, or at bookstores. I noticed Amazon started taking orders uh, a few weeks ago, so that's pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about Harry Houdini, the great uh, mentalist and uh, illusionist and escape artist. His mother passed, and uh, he was obsessed with trying to find a proper medium to communicate with her and ended up really debunking most of them, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he was really dead set against debunking them. And, and, you know, part of it was... Yes, he would have loved to have contacted his mother, but he also, in his in his early years as a magician, he was holding seances and doing this as an act, basically. Right. You know, conjuring. But it was a skit. Yes, exactly. And then, you know, at some point, he realized that he didn't like that. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't like the idea of it. You know, taking money from from those who were grieving, and making them think that they were having a genuine connection to someone on the other side when he knew, like, nope, I'm just doing a trick. 
so he thought that that was just you know kind of despicable um it, it was very different to him than a, a magic show like if he was putting on his own show on a stage people who pay to see that show they know what they're getting into they know they're paying for an act that the magician is putting on um and to be amazed by that versus truly believing that they're being they're communicating with a, a lost loved one so that was another thing that kind of drove him to expose these frauds was just, I think, his, his own morals. So was, and, was he out to convince himself or the world about these mediums? I, I think a little bit of both. I mean, I think that he definitely wanted to prevent people from, from being duped. Do you, you think know? he wanted to really find a real medium? I think he would have loved to have found a real medium. Only because I think he, I think, like I said earlier, he was open to the idea of this being possible. He just hadn't seen evidence of it. And, you know, he, he famously had made a pact with his wife that when he passed away, if he could come back, he would and had given her, you know, a particular code word, um, which, of course, many mediums tried to reach him afterwards. And mm-hmm. They did, but, but they did not. They, no one had that particular code word. I, I ran a clip a couple of years ago of a seance with them trying to reach Houdini. And uh, he, they gave it their best effort, but it didn't work. But, uh, you know, the, the medium was, you know, just, Houdini, contact us, Houdini. And uh, he, they tried. Yeah. It, it's one of those things, I mean, you wish, you wish it worked. Because it seemed like if someone was going to come back or find a way, you know, Houdini would have been a good candidate for that. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.